Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Parts Unknown podcast. My name is Ben Green. Some of you will know me as producer Ben from the Guardian's Football Weekly podcast and some of you will know therefore that I am a huge wrestling fan. I've been up in Blackpool for the WWE's UK Championship Tournament, a two-night extravaganza to crown a new UK champion. It's a new thing the WWE are trying out and they've brought over some of their biggest names from behind the scenes to make sure it's a success, not least Paul Levesque, Executive Vice President of Talent, Live Events and Creative of WWE, who's better known, of course, as Triple H. This is my interview with him where we talk about the tournament, the business, his tiny pants and a bit about his family life too. I hope you enjoy it. Sports entertainment, WWE is kind of there's no easy bucket to put us in so it's carries all the excitement of sport and the athleticism and the off factor of sport but it combines that with a rock and roll show it combines that with unbelievable pyrotechnics display Um, we tap into your emotions it's just um we kind of attack your senses on every level when you come to one of our shows but but it's uh ultimately modern day uh athletic theater soap opera we're here in the UK for the UK Championship Tournament. Why are we having it now and why are we having it in Blackpool? I think the timing is perfect for the UK Tournament for WWE. I believe that in the last few years there has been this sort of resurgence of independent wrestling scene. And I, I think that stems out of the popularity of WWE, but yet given the size of the globe... And uh, the U.S. nature of the company, we we don't get here as often as we'd like to. We would love to be able to do pay-per-views and and everything else here, but it's challenging. And it's been a constant struggle for us. And this is something we've wanted to do for a while now, is be a bit more on the ground here in the U.K. And uh, this is the perfect opportunity for it. The the last couple of years, there's been this resurgence and this this drive of the independent scene. A lot more talented performers coming up through the ranks. And... um, this is a great time for us to be able to take those talent, give them the opportunity and showcase them to the world in a way that they've never had that opportunity before. Make them household names worldwide and be able to put the WWE more on the ground here and be more invested in the UK and this region in general. We're off to uh, spend some time with uh, William Regal after mm-hmm. After you. Um, he's very familiar with Blackpool. That's right. And he's, he's helped scout the talent. Um, how important is, is Regal in the WWE setup and bringing that different style of wrestling to, mm-hmm. to an American company? William Regal is one of the guys that I, when I first got rolling in the business in WCW, um, he and I became close friends. We've had that friendship for over 20 years now. And we share a very similar sort of mentality towards the business and view of the, of the industry in general and how, about how WWE works and what we look for in talent. When I took over um, talent development and started this process with recruiting and, and global expansion that we're doing, um, Regal was one of my first 
kind of choices for for somebody to come in and say, um, you know, he, he kind of is the visual. He's my eyes and ears. I don't have the time to be able to keep track of every single performer on the planet. He knows every one of them. He has a relationship with most of them. He's, uh, you know, he's just a great judge of talent. He's a great judge of potential talent. Uh, you know, he's kind of my eyes and ears and my right hand. And I think uh, one of the most important cogs in what we're doing in this end of the business of the kind of, you know, the recruiting and development of the future of the WWE. Let's talk a bit about characters and performers sure. as well. Uh, your background was as a bodybuilder. Um, well, you know, it's funny you, that everybody says that. <laughs> my, my I've seen was, you in your tiny pants. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. you get to see that on a regular basis if you watch the show, yeah. It's funny how that works. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're a bodybuilder. No, it just so happened I lifted weights in order to get bigger to get into wrestling. Like, bodybuilding was never a goal for me as far as... I competed because it helped my goals. Okay. It was a marker for me to uh, give me something to work for to improve. But the end goal for me, was always the sports entertainment business. And, and I think that's a confusing thing for people because I actually did a bodybuilding show. You know, I played baseball when I was a kid, too. I wasn't a baseball player. Okay, so you, <laughs> so you, you worked on, on your body a lot. You, um, yeah. you also had a brief time as a Frenchman. You've been uh, an American <laughs> yeah. aristocrat. You've been, yeah. you've been the DX character. You've been the authority figure. So what's more important, the, the physique or the charisma when you oh, build by, a superstar? By far, charisma. Um, you can look at the past 30 years of, of talent, and I think as you've gotten more and more to the present, it has become more and more evident that charisma although it's always been that way, but charisma and personality and uh, character are really where it's at. And, you know, um, yes, we're a visual business, but, uh, you know, for every, uh, for every John Cena, there's a Mick Foley, you, yeah. you know, um, or, or, or a guy that, it, you know, people don't think twice about his physique. Um, I, I always say that to me the business is it's like a puzzle and the more pieces you have the clearer the picture and the better the picture so you know being in shape now not necessarily from a visual standpoint but being physically in shape is the mo- is, is a very important thing as well because of the the physical nature of what we do the pounding that your body takes doing what we do it's very physical um, you've got to be in phenomenal shape I will put our athletes against any athlete on the planet, um, as far as being uh, in shape, being athletic, uh, being able to take punishment, durable, all those things, I'll put them up against anybody in the world. It's one of the things that we really stress with our performers because it, it leads to career longevity. Being in shape, not necessarily visually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, like a lot of people will say things about Kevin Owens and the shape yeah. he's in or something. Kevin Owens, one of the best athletes I've ever met in my life. He's unbelievable. You know, the, his durability in the business is not questioned you know so he's in phenomenal shape might not look at to some people but he is famously you guys have no off season so kind of give us an idea of what the schedule is and what what you said you you got in at 4 a.m this morning so tell us what a typical day for for triple h is like well it's uh, when you're in I, suit mode rather yeah, than yeah, I, I think uh, for me suit mode, is, mode. S- suit mode is actually less sleep mode than uh spandex mode 
you know, when you're when you're an athlete and that's what you do, then you just can take care of yourself as an athlete, whether that's getting rest, whether that's eating right, you know, and the life of a WWE superstar, it's a lot of work. You know, people see the the 10, 20 minutes in a ring, but they don't see the 20 hours it took you to get to the location that you spent the 20 minutes uh, doing what you love. And I've heard it said before uh, for other, you know, businesses like musicians or something where they, they say the, uh, the 20 minutes that you get to spend doing what you love, uh, that's why you do what you do. It's the other 23 hours and 40 minutes a day uh, that you put up with to get to do the 20 minutes of the thing that you love. Um, so it's a busy schedule. You know, we, we flew over here. We flew all day yesterday, got in at 4 a.m. this morning, got a couple hours sleep, get up, uh, put on a suit, and, uh, and come down here and do some media. But, you know, it's it's kind of par for the course. And I think when you, for me anyways, I know when you do what you love, when it's a passion, like I don't find this to be work for me. You know, uh, even coming here yesterday, to me, I get to come over here and I get to create this new this new show, this new product, this, it's, it's very exciting to me. And it's a passion for me. I love doing it. I love working with these young talent. I love giving them this opportunity to shine in a way that they've never had before. And, um, you know, it's, this is it's what makes it run for me. So I don't mind having the couple of hours sleep because I'm excited about getting up to go what I got to do. So the, the, there's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of physicality the results may be predetermined, the injuries and hitting each other is very, very real. So you famously once tore a, tore a quad muscle and finished the match. In your new sort of suit mode and your nurturing of, of new talent mode, would you encourage an athlete now to finish a match with that serious an injury? No. No, no. and it probably wasn't the best decision I've ever made in my life. Because no. um, there's this huge professional pride for people of your generation you the show must go on you always continue let me just say probably uh right after i can started continuing the match when jericho put me in the walls of jericho on top of the announce table i immediately regretted the decision Mm -hmm. um there's a difference and it's a cultural shift that's hard to get into guys and the things that we know today compared to what we knew 20 years ago are totally different and now we're looking at, and, and we did then too as well, but we're looking at the safety of talent. We're looking at, um, you know, their long-term health. And, and nothing for us is more important than that because if, if we have a star and he's injured and we push it and that injury causes him to go away permanently, it doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do him any good, doesn't do us. Everybody loses. Fans lose. So keeping our talent safe and healthy are, is what's first and foremost to us, and it's it's kind of a cultural shift that we struggle with, um, just changing the athlete's mindset of, yes, I grind through everything, and an athlete's immediate response is nothing is wrong with me. No, I'm fine, I'll keep going. Um, I think we use a term inside WWE of thoroughbreds, you know, we have thoroughbreds. Uh, they're designed, the, the reason they reach the level of success of all the millions of people trying to do what they do in the world, the reason they reach where they are is they're thoroughbreds. And there has to be somebody riding the thoroughbred to pull the reins for them to know when they stop because they will run themselves into the ground. And that is kind of our mentality. We we try to talk them into letting us know. You gotta let us know when we need to pull the reins. You have to let us know. We have medical staff watching them at all times. And then also reporting on each other. 
and you know, uh, changing the mentality that it's not daddling on your friend to say, I think something's wrong with him. You know what I mean? I think he might be hurt worse than he's saying so that we can, you know, I'd rather have a talent take a couple weeks off now or a month off or two months off now than their career end early. Now, you're, you're married into the business. You love the business. It is your life as well. How do you relax? What, what are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not, when you're not working out, when you're not mm-hmm. in your suit? Doing well, it's like funny this? because you say to me, like, part of my job working out, but, like, to me, working out is that is relaxing? Not, yeah, it's not a job. Like, that kind of is my, my zen zone, you know. Uh, my wife and I usually train at, like, midnight every night and people will say, oh, is there some magic thing to training at midnight? It's not some magic, it's when we have time. Uh, you know, we have kids, I have three kids. With the schedule that we have and the work hours and, and everything that we do, the first and foremost important thing in my life to me is being a dad and my kids and, and my family. You know, all the other stuff is just what you do and it's your passion, but not like that. So they're first and foremost, um, Training for me is the that's the, the the hour two hours a day that I get to go do what I want to do and really just relax and get into a different. You, you have to when when you have uh, a couple hundred pounds over your head, you got to focus on that. You can't be drifting off into uh, hmm. Well, I wonder what we should do in that tournament. You know what I mean? You got to be focused and and uh, really concentrate on what you're doing. And I think that's the key is being able to pull out of what you do and focus on something else. Um, but other than that, the thing for me outside of that is just spending time with my family and kids. I love to just go be dad and, you know, go to a lake and uh, swim with them and just hang out with them and, and enjoy them being kids. Time is tight, and I just want to kind of go in on those, those points. Um, your kids being half McMahon, McMahon. Yeah. It seems I, it's, I, kind of... Me, I struggle with it. There you yeah, go. I struggle with that half. My it's, half is good. Yeah. That other half, absolutely. It's a but, uh, you know, it seems inevitable that they may be in the business when they're older. Would you uh, try to protect them from being in the ring? Would you like them to be kind of doing what you do? Or would you like them to, if they want to be uh, performers as well, that's all good for you? I want them to be happy. Um, yeah, it's funny to me that I, I often I struggle sometimes with when people say like, "Oh man, this is the greatest thing I ever did in my life," but I want my kids to do it. Mm. Like if you feel that way about it, you have one life to live. Well, you want to do what you want to do, right? I want my kids to do what they want to do. I want them to be happy. I want them to know that, uh, and 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 all kids to know you can do whatever you want to do with your life. There's no path. There's no predetermined anything. You make what you want to make out of anything, and I don't care what that situation is. There's a will. There's a way to get to get where you want to be in life. And, and I want them to do what they want to do. If that leads them into the business, wonderful. Because I think it's the greatest business in the world. And I think the form of entertainment we do, if that's as a performer, great. If it's behind the scenes, great. But if they want to do something else, you know, I've got two daughters that are really into the product. And if you ask them, I think that's what they would probably tell you. They want to be a WWE superstar and, and uh, be the women's champion and the whole thing, and I've got another daughter that wants to own a rescue farm, so uh, and could care less <laughs> about wrestling. She'll watch it if it's on with the others, but she's and very into it when it's on. But she, it's not her primary concern at eight. So, um, to me, this is a wonderful, wonderful art form of entertainment, and that's what it is—an art form. And um, if they wanted to get into it and be a part of it in some way, I'd be thrilled. But they have to choose their own path.
So I, I remember watching wrestling, uh, Big Daddy, World of Sport Wrestling, with, yeah. with my dad when I was five or six. On a Saturday afternoon, I've watched you as a teenager, and, you know, still now, I'm 37, now I've got two boys of my own, five and seven. Um, they watch World of Sport over Christmas with me. My wife and I, however, have a bit of a, you know, lefty liberal uh, issue, though. You know, it's performance, I love it, but... It's this problem of, um, you know, resolution through violence. Yeah. That's, well, and and how do you, as a, as a parent, sort of, you know, you're, you're telling kids, it's all right, daddy's, dad's safe here, but how, how do I give a good message about this? Well, be, because clearly you turned out to be a piece of crap in life because you watched wrestling growing up. That's true. What is the example there that shows that that pretend violence mm. that people are watching on TV leads to them being terrible people later in life? People get themselves so wound up about things that, you know what? My kids are very smart. My six-year-old understands what the business is. And they understand it because I watch it with them and I tell them what it is. You know, I tell them that it's theater that it's a show. When they watch a movie and the scary parts on, I go, this isn't real. This is a show. When the scary part happens in, in, in that, or the part that might be challenging for them, I tell them, you know, this is a show. Um, I, to, so to me, explaining your kids the world is really your job. Not protect them from anything that might mildly give them a bad impression that then later in life they don't understand. That is not being a parent, that's avoiding being a parent. To me, my opinion, is teaching what they see, what's real, what's not, how to react to it, whether this is how you do things or not. To me, there's a lot of morality play in, in WWE, right, wrong, uh, good, bad, indifferent, and the, and the thing that's done right by the good guy is not always perceived as right. Some people don't like them for it. You know, and people's opinions don't always matter. You got to do what you believe in and what you feel is right. Um, the world has existed on fables and mythology and storytelling. I, I watch Disney movies with my kids, and all the old Disney movies. My wife and I are always amazed. Like I did not realize there was so much death and poisoning and like someone's always trying to kill somebody behind their back or like you know like ruin their lives the stepmother comes in and takes over the family and she's evil and killed the dad and now this and like she's trying to turn the daughter into a slave like <coughs> oh my god like right we've never done any of that in WWE um, so to me um, you know at the end of the day I don't know the, the world ended up in a pretty decent place and we can talk about whether it is or not, I think social media lends you to believe it's a whole lot worse than it is because it connects the world all at one time. Just you hear about a lot more stuff than you used to. Um, it's a pretty good place. People grew up watching a lot of crazy stuff. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know that the professional wrestling or sports entertainment industry led to the demise of the morality in the world. Um, I might like to think maybe. I would be better off just not letting my kids watch the news. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tous.